Financial services and the payments industries continue to be the most often targeted sectors for phishing attacks, according to the anti-phishing working group's just released phishing activity trends report. In fact, during the first quarter of 2014, phishing attacks aimed at specific brands were higher than they had been in just the previous quarter, proving that attackers are continually honing and perfecting their skills. For banking institutions, these attacks are increasingly troublesome because they aren't just fooling customers, they're fooling bank employees as well. Today I'm joined by a panel of online and financial fraud cybersecurity executives to talk about emerging and ongoing phishing schemes and what banking institutions are and should be doing to protect their brands and their employees. This is the first part of a two-part panel discussion that explores why phishing and targeted so-called spear phishing attacks are on the rise. Our panel includes Doug Johnson, Senior Vice President of Risk Management Policy for the American Bankers Association, Daniel Cohen, a threat researcher and phishing expert at security firm RSA, and Dave Jevons, co-founder of the Anti-Phishing Working Group and founder and chief technology officer of security firm Marble Security. Dave, I'd like to start with you. Based on some of these new phishing trends that have been published by the APWG, what would you say seems to be the most troubling finding for banking institutions specifically? Well, Tracy, good morning. What, uh, what we see in the, the new report, which folks can download for free at apwg.org, is a historical perspective of what phishing and malware looked like in Q1 of 2014 as compared to previous quarters. I think the things that are concerning to financial institutions are that phishing continues to grow both against their customers and targeted attacks against internal employees. And we're also seeing a continued growth in the broader payment services being targeted through phishing emails. And by payment services, I mean not just your traditional PayPal, which of course has been a, a target of phishing for many years, probably a decade now, but a broader set of payment services, which include money transfer services such as Western Union and MoneyGram, but also banking type services. We're seeing more attacks that pretend to be from service providers to banks like Fiserv and payment processors like ADP. So the, the attack surface appears to be widening specifically targeted against customers of financial institutions. As I mentioned in the introduction, one of the things that banking institutions keep talking about is the fact that they do see these attacks against their brands, which ultimately fool their customers on the rise, but they also see these more targeted so-called spear phishing attacks that are aimed at their own executives and employees. Daniel, I'll hand this over to you. You've done a lot of research um, into phishing and spear phishing specifically. Can you talk a little bit about why you think these spear phishing attacks are increasing? Sure, and good morning, Tracy, and everybody. So, you know, coming back to also to just linking back to what Dave uh, mentioned about phishing, you know, phishing has been a growing trend over the past couple of years. I think, um, you know, looking back, 2012 was really a turning point in terms of volumes. You know, we saw 2012 close off with over 450,000 phishing attacks that year, and that was nearly 50% up from the uh, from the previous year, from 2011. We actually thought that 2012 was a fluke, but apparently, you know, 2013 ended and there were over 480,000 attacks that year. And so, you know, these volumes are continuing to grow, even looking at the statistics, um, you know, for the current year, you know, phishing is up over 30% from the year previous 
you know, comparing month over month. And and phishing is a growing trend because, you know, looking at the underground and, and the cybercrime as a service business, the fact that today as an attacker, as a fraudster, you know, you don't really, you don't need to know or understand how to send malicious email or, you know, put up websites or even, you know, use the credentials, cash out on the credentials. You know, you could become an expert at only one of those links in the chain um, and everything else you can outsource. Um, you know, for example, you know, spamming 500,000 email addresses will set you back about $70 today in the underground. So, you know, these services are, are readily available. They're cheap. Um, and really anyone can take part in them, you know, which makes this crime so pervasive and so easy to commit. Coming back to spear phishing, spear phishing is something that is on the rise. You know, even looking at the, uh, the Verizon data breach study report, you know, in 2013, uh, phishing came back strong. In the report, they kind of broke it down into the different attack types. And looking at the state-sponsored attacks, you know, over 90% of those attacks started with spear phishing emails. And within those, I mean, they could get identify that you know spear phishing executives had a very high percentage and spear phishing you know it's it's a very good tactic because it, as opposed to just you know regular phishing you know sending out 500,000 emails to um, customers of bank X with with some story about you know your credit card is being misused in the case of spear phishing they do their homework they gather intelligence about their target and the contents of the email um, are very you know related to that person um, they can relate to the content it might be the fact that they're attending a conference in a week time um, and these you know spear phishing emails are very successful coming back to the Verizon study um, if I recall the statistic was after three emails after three spear phishing emails there's a chance of over 60% that the person receiving the email um, would click would either click the link or double click the attachment and then you know he completely infects his organization infects his computer and and provides access um, into his organization so Doug, could you offer some perspective from the banking side of the house? Are banking institutions doing more to educate their employees or to help shore up their defenses to help fight back some of these phishing attacks and spear phishing trends? Yes, Tracy, and good, good afternoon from me, Sam, on the East Coast here. Sounds like you guys are on the West. I think that customer education is a continuing exercise. There's, there's been this, and employee education as well. It's, it's really, you know, two prongs, obviously. Because um, I, I think that the, the thing that financial institutions see, frankly, more than the uh, attacks on their own individual employees, those do occur. It's really the customer attacks, particularly in the corporate environment, that are the ones that can be the most damaging. Because, sure, there may be some ability to compromise uh, a, a computer network within a financial institution, but I think, and this gets to, to Dan's point, I think about um, the surgical nature of, of a spearfish. Um, you know what these criminals have found as as part of their you know criminality as a service is is that pinpointing in individual corporate customers or small businesses is is a much more productive way to monetize phishing. And uh, I think some of the numbers in terms of success rate. That, that Dan talked about really demonstrate that. And, and what that also does is, is allows the criminal to uh, essentially do the reconnaissance of a, of a geographical area and make determinations of which of a number of financial institutions that particular customer may be uh, essentially uh, a, a customer of what bank. I've seen you know, some versions of, of Zeus, for instance, that have as many as, as 600 individual bank URLs 
you know, with, within the uh, code because you can essentially make a determination of which financial institution that particular CEO or that small business um, you know, might be uh, frequenting. And, and that's why these things are so powerful because it, it really allows the criminal to, to look across a, a broad cross-section of financial institutions and uh, allow for you know, a very surgical attack on uh, one individual regardless of which institution he may be a customer of. And so I think that's a, a very concerning piece from the standpoint of financial institutions because it's not just about employee education, which is hard enough. It's the education of, of all those commercial customers that are, are vulnerable to these types of attacks. And I think that's really why you know, we have a, a whole new set of authentication guidance from the FFIEC, which really speaks to those kind of exploits. And this is a question that any of you or all of you you could answer. Dave, I'm just going to hand it to you for a second, but I'm sure Daniel and, and Doug, you, you might have a response here as well. Are we fighting a losing battle then if we continually see these attacks becoming more sophisticated, if we continue to see them increasing? What's the end game here? We've talked about things like DMARC, but is there really a solution? Well, um, it's something we're going to have to deal with. I, I'm not sure it's a losing battle, but I would say that the battle gets no less fierce. Technology companies are constantly evolving their technical capabilities to detect anomalies and very small ones, for example, spear phishing attacks. We're, as an industry, coming up with standards like DMARC to help make email authentication easier, but huge educational process there internal to every company, not just banks. But, you know, companies need to be authenticating their own email so that people can't send attacks into them. But I can assure you there are ways around that as well. So nothing is foolproof. I don't think it's a losing battle, but I don't think it's a, it's a winning battle either. If you take a look at the computer security industry, it continues to grow and the cybercrime industry is growing just along with it. Yeah, this is Doug. I would agree with Dave on that. I think that, um, unfortunately, we're, we're in the midst of a growth industry. And um, I think just the nature of this particular industry, all you can do is very kindly call us fast followers. You know, we, we can't always be sure precisely what direction a, a, a particular criminal exploit is going to take or what type of vulnerability is going to be exploited next. And while we spend a lot of time attempting to do that, you know, it requires a, a tremendous amount of diligence across a broad cross-section of individuals and companies to, to really do that. And that doesn't mean you don't do it. And I think that what does get lost in translation a lot of times is the, the vast number of uh, transactions that are accomplished successfully. I think that there are some very serious exploits that, that are out there that are, are going against customers and companies, but I think that by and large, it's our obligation to continue to, to fight that fight or else we lose the channel. You know, We lose the ability to maintain the faith and confidence in customers that we have to utilize the electronic channel, and nobody wants that. I mean, that's obviously the, the worst end game you can possibly think of. And so I think it's just the eternal due diligence and eternal vigilance that, that we have to perform, you know, as security practitioners, uh, recognizing that we're always going to be following as fast as we can. And I'll add to that, you know, I think, um, and specifically looking at spear phishing emails, I think that's like the number one symptom for the deteriorating perimeter. You know, I still find um, when I speak to customers and, and you know, um, organizations out there, I still find that they believe in the perimeter and they're protecting the perimeter. But, you know, these spear phishing emails are just getting past this perimeter so easily. And, you know, we have to kind of move forward. We have to change the way we think about 
security. And and coming back to your question, you know, is this a losing battle? I know I think it isn't. You know, I actually think we're doing very well. You know, we're kind of moving away from the signatures and from the known threats to try and figure out how to identify attacks that we previously never seen before. I think throughout 2014 and, and you know, in 2015, with the, the abundance of devices as well, um, also eroding the perimeter, we're going to be seeing a major push into strengthening digital identities. The whole concept of identity intelligence, of being able to understand who is doing what in the system and adding on top of that, understanding where the data is flowing and particularly in, in, you know, in today's world of um, software as a service offerings, um, that is where the solution lies to really beating these guys at, uh, at their game, moving away, like, like Dave mentioned, moving away from the known signatures into the whole anomaly detection, the big data analytics driven um, solutions. Because at the end of the day, and this is really something to really understand and internalize, the attackers are going to get in. You know, they're going to get in. It'll be a spearfish. It'll be some USB key that, you know, somebody threw in the garage. It, they're going to get in. And it'll be up to us, you know, to, to identify and detect that attack as soon as possible um, and obviously remediate it. So, Daniel, I'd like to just riff a little bit on one thing you talked about around the... Um sort of the dematerialization of the perimeter and how it's expanding. And I, I think that that is a key thing for people to think about as far as, you know, why is this game continuing to get bigger? There's two things I see to it. One, our attack surface is dramatically expanding every year. For example, the adoption of mobile devices, BYOD devices. People are receiving email on lots of different devices they're consolidating personal accounts with work accounts, which means they could be targeted with a spear phishing email or a regular phishing email through many different email accounts. It may all be consolidated onto one in their iPhone. So someone may receive a corporate phishing email through their Gmail, and they won't notice, and they'll just click on it and think it's corporate IT telling them to update their password to the VPN or to Exchange, for example. Um, there's also multiple channels to deliver malicious content, uh, malicious lures to users who are, again, on mobile devices, so you're not at a perimeter anymore. The user is the perimeter. So they might get an email on personal email, right? They might get an email on work email. They might get an SMS that allegedly comes from IT or from one of their peers to go click on something, install an app, change a password, what have you. We've seen app phishing where there are apps that are released that go to a website and they render reasonable content, they get approved through the app store, and then three weeks later, they change that web content and it's pointing you to a phishing site. And then the other thing I'd say is, that's expanding our attack footprint is the rise of social media and the ability to profile people. That lets us target people in ways that were never even imagined three or four years ago. And I guess my last thing I'll say on it, and I'd like to hear what you guys think is, the technical sophistication and the targeting of bad guys trying to get into companies is orders of magnitude more sophisticated than it was even five years ago. You know, you could say, why would someone want to break into some financial services company and target three employees and get in? Well, if they're able to, at that point, jump onto a point of sale network and then infect that and gather 50 million credit cards, that's a pretty good reason. Or they might jump into an ATM manufacturer and implant malware into ATM software that then gets distributed on 50,000 ATMs. Now you've got a huge systemic problem. And that's 
what bad guys are doing. They're not just getting in there and trying to get onto the wire transfer system and transfer 500,000 out. Thanks again to our panelists, Dave Jevons of the Anti-Fishing Working Group and Marble Security, Doug Johnson of the American Bankers Association, and Daniel Cohen of RSA. Please be sure to come back to our site later this week for part two of this panel discussion about emerging spearfishing trends, when we'll delve more deeply into why the advent of mobile technology has breathed new life into spearfishing attacks and steps banking institutions and others are taking to mitigate their increasing risks. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.